I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, I'm going to be talking to author Craig Owens. Now, he wrote a book that I just happened to come across while walking, well, out for a walk at work. I was walking down Hollywood Boulevard, there in the window, plain as day, was a book called Haunted by History, Separating the Facts and Legends of Eight Historic Hotels and Inns in Southern California, Volume 1. It's a long title, it's a long book, and I mean that in the best of ways. This is a monstrous book. The details that he goes into, the background, the research, the debunking that Craig goes into made this an instant classic, instant favorite of mine. So I reached out to him, and and luckily enough for me, Craig happened to live nearby and was gracious enough to come by, hang out, and chat about his book. And I got to tell you, I'm not getting paid for this. I say it in the interview as well. I'm not getting paid for it. This is just a great book that I want you all to know about. It is that good. It is so well done. The hotels he talks about are the Hotel Del Coronado, the Victorian Rose Bed and Breakfast, the Julian Gold Rush Hotel, the Mission Inn Hotel and Spa, the Alexandria Hotel, the Wyndham Garden Ventura Pierpoint Inn, the Banning House Lodge, and the Glen Tavern Inn. Now, whether or not you live in Southern California, whether or not you live in the United States, this book is fantastic. It debunks some of the biggest legends, I guess I could say, about these hotels. But it also proves some, and it leaves a lot of unanswered questions as well. It's a very well-rounded book, with some beautiful photography. And I mean, just about every page, I'm flipping through it right now, just about every page is just gorgeous photo after gorgeous photo. They recreate some stuff. They show some historical photos. It is just beautifully done. I cannot talk enough about how beautiful this book is. And if you guys like the interview, how much you should all go out, get a copy of this book. Uh, we talk about that towards the end of the interview. and But before we get to that, as always, let's do some shout-outs. Shout-outs to Melissa, Lauren, Melissa, Laura, Kyle, Lauren, Amber, Angie, Autumn, Carolyn, Chuck, Carolyn C., Chuck, Dan, Daniel, Dill, Edgar, Heidi, J. Mark, Jory, Joshua, Jade, Jeff, Jim, Judy, Juliana, Kat, Keith, Kira, Lash, Laura, Laura Rutho, Lauren McCune, Lily, M. Calvillo, Maggie, hi Maggie, Michaela, Manning, Martin, Matt, Megan, Nanashi, Nick, Pablo, Rosa, Sarah B, Sarah L, Shelly, Lauren, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Travis, Troy, Veronica, and finally, Vincente. These kids are the cool kids. They're the patrons. You can head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac if you want to know more. If you need another reason to join, well, how about this? The edition that everybody gets to listen to, the public edition, the one you're probably listening to right now of this very episode of Paranormal Almanac, is only 
half of what they get to hear. That's right. There is a two-hour patron-exclusive edition of this very episode, and it's only for the patrons. So if you want to hear it, you're going to have to join up. Now, I'm not going to do any paranormal news because I want to get right into this one, but I do have to thank a couple of people. I'm going to thank them actually on the next episode, but I want to tell you about a couple of people who wrote me some awesome paranormal news songs, intros. I'm going to say intros. I got two of them so far. I love them both. In fact, next episode, hint, spoiler, whatever you want to call it, the Yowie episode, I'm going to play them both. One before Paranormal News and one as a, you know, like playing out of Paranormal News. I can't wait for you guys to hear them. They are fantastic. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for sending me in stuff. That is just freaking awesome. But you're going to have to wait till next episode to hear that. That episode will be up later this week. As of now, let's get into the interview already in progress with Craig Owens. Once again, his book is called Haunted by History. Separating the facts and legends of eight historic hotels and inns in Southern California, Volume 1. I cannot wait for Volume 2. I'm honestly excited for Volume 2. Alrighty, let's jump into this one. Alrighty, so obviously the first question, what made you interested in writing about the haunted hotels in Southern California? Well, uh, I always loved old Hollywood history. And uh, I was very fascinated and interested in the Ambassador Hotel, but I had no idea w- where it was sure. when I arrived in L.A. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so whenever I would do my little PA runs, you know, and they'd send me down the Sunset Strip, I'd be looking real carefully. Where's the Ambassador Hotel? Because I didn't know it was still standing. Sure. I just didn't know where it was. Yeah, yeah. So I would get information about who was staying there, some of the anecdotes, but I never could find this place. (laughs) Then finally, uh, I had made friends with uh, a guy that we grew up in the same small town together. So we were having dinner one night and I finally just broke down and said, you know, I found the Brown Derby. I found all these cool places, the Chateau Marmont. Oh, yeah. I found all, all of these old Hollywood haunts, but I can't find the Ambassador Hotel. And he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and he said, uh, it's right across the street. We were eating at the HMS Bounty at Holy the Gaylord. Holy crap. <laughs> so you it, really no, couldn't have been any closer. I said, no. Well, uh, 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 you know, I ran out the front door and lo and behold, it's there behind the big tall fence sure yeah dark and foreboding passed it many many times never knew that was the ambassador hotel yep so after we had dinner you know i went back to my apartment which was on the fifth floor of this 19 early 1930s building uh-huh i had a view of the ambassador hotel <laughs> from my window <laughs> on the fifth floor i'm sorry to jump ahead did you ever get to go in it i did finally what was it like to finally get to go in there was it everything well, you hoped and dreamed or what happened was i worked on a made for tv movie well they actually used some of the newer uh mid-century modern bungalows for a location yeah and uh finally i get a call at night they said can you come to the set and i was there you know and i got to walk through that lobby by myself that's and awesome it was amazing 
And to me, the building felt alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to be in there once, and I felt the same thing. It felt alive. And you could feel the energy, and I swear you can almost hear the music coming out of the Coconut Grove, just in your inner ear. Yep. The first thing they asked me when I approached you know, them, and their first question was, is this place haunted? And I had heard that it was. Yeah, so did I. And I was interested in ghosts all my life. And I always kind of wanted to know what the stories were, but I was, you know, the policy of the people that were maintaining the the property was not to talk about the ghosts. So you you couldn't even get security to talk about it either. And so it was just a rumor. One of, I, I did have a friend that worked production that had a production office at the ambassador. And he said, Oh no, that place at night gets really creepy and lights would, would turn on and off and, you know, weird things like that, where they'd leave the lights off and next morning they'd be on and vice versa, you know. And so that's really the only story I heard. And Did you then, get to go in the ballroom? Uh, Yes, a little bit. That was my <clears throat> first time there. And then years later, I had even moved even closer, but I got noticed that I think it was like the Heidi Deckler dance. Uh, I probably mispronounced her name, but... There was this kind of avant-garde dance troupe that goes into historic places right before they're torn down, and they do these big, elaborate two-hour uh, really? dance uh, performances. You know, I uh, bought two tickets, took my wife at the time, who didn't know anything about L.A. I, I began to notice that a lot of the dances that they had choreographed were actually choreographed after the ghost stories. Oh, no kidding. And some of the things that they had, like a woman in white, a white dress, yep, uh, standing in one of the hallways, and that was one of the ghost stories yeah, yeah. that I later heard about. Yeah, and it was a real disturbing performance. My wife hated. Oh, I would have it. loved it. And I and when we were in the Coconut Grove, we both got splitting headaches. Really, watching the the performance there and. And whatnot, but they actually were performing even inside the empty Olympic style swimming pool. Holy crap. They had like a drummer and a and a singer dressed in the thirties, you know, belting a song from the bottom of this empty pool. It oh, was very I loved it. It was very surreal. Yeah, yeah. And we would move to different parts of the hotel and different parts of the hotel would feature a dance. And the Coconut Grove was like two drunks fighting you know it was like that was the theme yeah yeah yeah. and so it was real boozy and and uh i loved it and you could say that in a way that kind of was beginning the the seeds for my book were being planted the visuals that they were doing because they actually had they actually had people dressed in costumes in the window display of those old shops nice i did appreciate them incorporating the ghost stories and some of the stuff had to have been inspired by just what they were experiencing when choreographing and practicing in the Ambassador Hotel. Oh, that's cool. Because I, I really felt that years later when I did my project and, and I started shooting in haunted hotels, weird things started happening. And so I got the idea, well, maybe it's my photography. Maybe it's the themes that I'm picking. But one of the things that I was doing subconsciously and consciously was I was capturing and adapting my photos based on the atmosphere of these places. Interesting. And I got to say, I love the photos in the book. I like the fact that you 
recreated the ghost like like well basically what you were just talking about um but you did it in such a way that that it was entertaining some made me laugh and it was it was just beautifully done and i like the fact that you decided to add that into the book and not just take a couple of photos of blank wall or this hallway or something It, it adds something to it i want people to see these hotels through a new pair of eyes anyone could go in there and see yeah i can take a snapshot of a hotel room and yeah and say it was haunted, and this is my story. Okay, but now fifty pages in, now hundred pages in, and it's hotel room after hotel room. It's the you want to bring it, you want to bring the history to life. I agree, and that's uh, all. A lot of these old properties were beginning to go under. Yeah, and so when I got the idea, I got the idea originally to to start shooting in old hotels in 2009 the Pierpont Inn foreclosed on the Aztec Hotel in Monrovia oh, yeah. foreclosed on and I decided these buildings need to be appreciated well that's the other piece that I liked about this book is that I love old Hollywood yes. I absolutely love when I first moved out here I wanted to go to the old places I wanted to see the old stars I wanted to do everything that the old stars went to and stay at the ambassador and stay at the Queen Mary and and go to Musso and Franks and go to the Formosa and do all this stuff. And and that's what... There was the two things, twofold. Obviously, the haunted part. I love that stuff. That's why I do the podcast. But then the Hollywood history. So it was a neat thing to find out that you you consider yourself a Hollywood historian. And from what you're saying, I 100% believe that you are a Hollywood historian. You know what you're talking about. So you, you appreciate them on a couple of different levels. And that's it's really well no, well done and noticeable. I was telling you... Before we started recording, I wanted to save it on here. I was really skeptical about your book because you said debunking on there and nobody likes debunking or nobody wants to do the debunking. They want to keep the websites that have this, the, the, the dumbest, fakest ghost stories get the most clicks. No one wants to do the research and go, well, that's not true. The right. building wasn't even there in 1920. How could that happen? Right. So the debunking part, I was like, oh, please actually do some debunking, which you do. And and I've already told the listeners, my, my fans, that they need to buy this book for no matter where you live in the world. Right. This book shows you ghosts, debunking, Hollywood stuff. You taught me more stuff about uh, old Hollywood that I was like, well, I know this hotel. I won't learn much. Oh, my God. I learned a ton. You, How long did it take you to do the research for this? Okay. Well, when I decided to do a book, uh, at first it just started out for another project and I was taking pictures, uh, old Hollywood style photos in some of these buildings and paranormal activity started breaking out. Like I had never seen a ghost before in my life and I thought I would never see one. Well, tell me and I about was somewhat, that. I was, I was somewhat skeptical. Well, in 2009. You call yourself, what do you, what, wait, what do you call yourself? A reluctant? Skeptic. The reluctant skeptic. I <laughs> yeah. love that. I love yeah. that. Uh, I always kind of uh, wavered back and forth, you know, between believing and not believing. Sure. There was enough things that happened in my life to keep keep that faith. Sure. However, there was so much stuff that I didn't quite believe in. Just because I may believe in ghosts doesn't mean I believe in everything about them that's being said. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. And uh, so I wasn't sure about everything. And I would read the skeptical arguments. I would read the non-believing arguments. And they sounded really good, you know. And uh, and it's like, gosh, I wish I could embrace that. But I just can't quite 
sure. embrace it at the same time. And I'm going, well, the truth has to be somewhere in the middle. And it wasn't debunking. That was not in my mind at the time. It was just taking kind of glamour old Hollywood shots that allowed me to use my film degree and my love for old Hollywood. And I picked the mission in. Sure. In Riverside, because I thought it had the best bones architecturally. You could do almost anything with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. With this. You could go gothic, you could go horror, you could go... It had everything. So I picked this place, and this was the summer of 2009. And if you've ever been in Riverside in August, <laughs> compound that with the recession, and we practically had the whole... Uh, the model that I, I took with me, we had the whole building practically to ourselves. Yeah, was, we yeah actually, the run of the place. We actually went a couple of days where we didn't really see another guest, except maybe at mealtime in the courtyard. And I'm not sure they were staying there. <laughs> I think they were just coming in for a, a meal, you know. And so I wanted to rent. The room that I saw was the Kerry Jacobs Bond Suite. They call it presidential suites, but that's pretentious. There were no presidents <laughs> that stayed in that. Yeah. And... I liked it because it had the gothic archways and the columns and whatnot. And there was nothing online that said that that particular suite was haunted. And so I didn't think anything of it. I did hear that it was haunted. So I thought, well, I'll bring a couple of audio recorders just in case. Sure. Uh, and a camera, a co- you know, a video camera as well as my still camera. But I wasn't there to look for ghosts. I was there to do fancy shots well uh that first night we shot you know nothing really happened but then the next morning weird things started happening erupting in my suite and it was around noontime i had just uh i'd woken up early the model was in the room directly below mine and i had run some errands while and let her sleep in because we had been shooting till like four in the morning and i entered the suite and Immediately, I start hearing what sounded like someone moving things around in the bathroom. And so I thought it was housekeeping. You know, so I called out, hello, no answer back. So I walked back into the bathroom and no one was there. Nothing looked disturbed. It was just this weird noise that just really sounded like someone was moving things around. You know, because it was already 110 degrees outside. I thought, man, that heat's really got to me. I'm tired. (laughs) You know, so I totally rationed rationalized it as not being haunted yeah so i went to my computer and i'm killing time answering emails and i'm typing in and the carrie jacobs bond suite is actually on two levels there's a loft oh really main floor and there's these weird funky little steps that go up you can only fit maybe two to three people up there comfortably but you look, it looks down onto the bed. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a funky thing. And the only thing up there is a table, a chair, maybe two chairs. Yeah, a table, two chairs, and a floor lamp. And that's pretty much all there is up there. Sure. So I have to preface that because while I'm on the computer, I start hearing noises up in that loft. And it sounded like someone was dropping one by one, maybe a heavy metal coin on a wood table. Weird. Just boom. And... uh and so it was like, bang, bang. But it wasn't the sound of spinning coins. It just sounded like something metal just dropping, you know. And I still was trying to shrug it off and sure. focus on just doing my emails. But then when I heard the click-clack clicking of he- women's heels, sounding like it was walking across the loft, which was tiled, and going to the stairs to come down, and I remember distinctly that I wrote, 
I think I've got a ghost. I got to go check into it more later. Sin. And so I went up there, you know, first I checked the whole area and I wasn't going to turn off the air conditioning, but I did make sure all the windows and doors were closed. Sure. And, and I did look around and no one was around. So I... Is there a hallway behind that loft or anything? No, there is a an elevator adjacent to that suite, and but you can hear the elevator. And occasionally you can hear the voices of people in the elevator, but I, you can tell exactly, exactly what it is. Yeah. You know? So what I did is I went up there with a recorder and I felt like a complete idiot for the next <laughs> 10 minutes. I mean, I was listening intently for anything. You know, I wanted to make sure that if I catch anything weird, it's going to be not out of negligence yeah, or yeah. sloppiness. Yeah. You know? So I had com- about as complete control of the environment as I, I knew how to do it. So for 10 minutes, I felt like a complete idiot talking to air, <laughs> asking questions of something I'm not sure is there or even exists. And lo and behold, when I played the audio back, it sounded like a very faint female voice. No kidding. And I immediately lost interest in the photo shoot for the most part. And the model, she came back in, you know, about one one thirty. where's my lunch? You know, where's my brunch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I said, no, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. So I played it to her and she goes, yeah, I hear it. Can we go eat? And I said, sure. And said, oh, by the way, were you moving furniture at five in the morning? I was just on the verge of sleep and there was this heavy dragging sound from up above where you were. And it, I said, well, what kind of sound was it, you know, exactly? Yeah. Where, yeah. What direction? And she, <clears throat> she gave me the direction and said it was about five to eight feet. And she thought I was, you know, moving furniture to set up for the next day. Yeah, shoot, prepping a shoot. Know. Yeah. I, can, I assured her, no, I was like asleep clothed on the bed. I mean, I was out as soon as she left, walked out of the room. You know, so I thought that was interesting, but I thought my voice was more interesting at the time. So I went to the front desk later that day and I let the front desk person hear it. And then, and then she heard it. And then I said, oh, and by the way, guess what happened to the to the model who was staying directly below me? And when I told the front desk person that story, she lit up. Her eyes got real bright. and She said, no, we'll, we'll wait a second. She said, now, I have to ask you this. Did you move furniture at five in the morning? I said, of course not. You know, I was asleep. She said, well, that's really interesting. And I'm glad you told me that. Because since I've been working here, you are like the third person. Really? To to report this from that exact two rooms. And she said, when I was on the graveyard shift, I'd get the call about five in the morning, you know, on a couple of occasions. And it's someone complaining about furniture being moved in that top suite and i was afraid to call so she she wouldn't come out and say it's haunted but she said well i just always figured it was something else you know and i got it i got exactly what she was saying now could you make out any of the words on the recording not at the time when i got back home i was able to to listen to the audio and it was a voice that very faint mind you very faint uh, hard to understand, but it sounded something to the effect. I literally say, can you come closer so we can talk? And this voice immediately pipes in saying, sure, I would love that. Wow. And then she said something else unintelligible. And then she says, I want to go home. Ah. I know. And that creeped me out. The I want yeah, to yeah. go home. Because it was like, I want to go home. 
you know, I was stunned by it. But that planted the seeds of what was really the history of this room. And later, when I actually did my research, uh, I found that it was a ladies' parlor, the card room. No so kidding. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. That when it opened in the late 20s, when it was finished and opened, it was a card room and socializing room for women. So it's not surprising that I would catch a woman's voice. Exactly. In that room. It, it verifies. Matches, yeah. It matches the history. Yeah. You know, uh, but I didn't know that at the time. Now, I'm going a real long way to answering your question, but let's go right to that. Sure, sure. Uh, nothing really happened the next day, but I needed to move to another suite for the final night. And so I had heard about this haunted room where there's a spiral staircase and people get pushed down it. And what they had done is uh, they were offering me uh, and Alice's suite. And so I went there thinking that was the room. Yeah. So just when the uh, leasing person, the hotel person, I should, uh, this is an embarrassing story, but when, and it's not in the book, but when she let me in there, she had to take a call. So she left. Yeah. So while I was there on that stairs, I was antagonizing whatever was there <laughs> as much as possible. Just antagonizing, you know, because I knew I only had like two, three minutes. So I was like, really? You know, um, come on, show yourself, show yourself. Yeah. Because I was time pressed. Yeah. And of course, nothing happened. And I decided I didn't want that suite because it was too odd looking and it was a mixture of modern. And and so I decided to take the uh, Alhambra Mirador suite, which was the big suite that used to be where the presidents and movie stars stayed, you know, from, oh, the 1915, 1910s, 1920s to uh, more recent times. Sure. And it's the one with the balcony that overlooks and all the wedding pictures are done right around there. Yeah, yeah. And so I took this suite because it was big and palatial and epic. Uh, I hated that space. There was something very heavy about that room. And so it I wasn't the physical room. It was just something about it, was, it. I I could not stand being in there. And I kept saying, what is wrong with you? This is like the most popular, most expensive suite. And why do I feel like I can't stand it? There's something very wrong with this room, you know? And I remember telling the model, I said, you know, I just feel like the, the other shoe's about to drop anytime. And I don't know why I'm saying that's my turn of phrase that's yeah, yeah. in my head. But the other shoe's going to drop anytime. Uh, she thought, well, maybe you need to eat. There was one weird thing that happened almost immediately. and uh, But I didn't witness it. What was that? I was setting up my computer in the bedroom area right next to the den. And I was plugging it into the... Uh, I was under the table trying to plug it into the Wi-Fi you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the box that you need to do to access the internet. And... Uh, she was standing, the model was standing just right next to me. And so no one was in that big room, the main room. And what ended up happening, there was a loud crash in that room. And, you know, I, as I kind of pulled myself out from under the, the table, I said, what was that? And the model was just looking with kind of this, um, she had this kind of blank look, like shock. And what she said, now, I, again, I didn't witness this, but this is what she told me. Uh-huh. She said that she had a glass of water and her bottle of water, and she set them right next to each other on a table. And when she looked over after hearing that crash, 
she saw that the bottled water was still, but the glass, the water in the glass was splashy. Really? And it had been disturbed. So it was almost like the, the glass tipped yeah, and then yeah. tipped back yeah. by itself. And that that would have been enough to have made that kind of crash. And, I, and so I just said, oh, that's interesting. You know, I said, well, we'll have to keep an eye. That's always my catchphrase. Keep an eye on it, you know, <laughs> see what happens as the night goes. Then around midnight, my phone rings. And so I step out of the suite and I'm walking across the uh, courtyard to take the call. And it's my wife. So I get off the phone and I'm walking across the courtyard to enter the suite to go back for round three or whatever. Yeah. And something catches my eye in this, like, brick open mouth tunnel that leads into the interior of the hotel. And uh, I, it, something, something caught my eye. So I stopped and I looked. I was literally looking for something out of Ghostbusters, you know, <laughs> some kind of blue, exactly. smoke, you know, stereotypical, trans, half transparent or a green glob, anything yeah. that, you know... I had seen in a Hollywood film as a ghost, and I just wasn't seeing it. Uh, it was a well-lit, it had like three lights. It was casting, you know, shadows on the bricks, because it looks like, almost like a fourth-floor dungeon, you sure. know, open-mouth hallway, and it was kind of round. And I'm staring, and I'm taking inventory. Okay, uh, You know, I go, okay, lights, nothing wrong with the lights, shadow in the brick. I can see through the glass door. On the far end of the hallway that leads into the hotel. And I can see the stained glass window uh-huh. in that once you're inside. And then there's a shadow. And so I went back and I went, okay, let's do it again. So I, you know, going through the same motion again. And this time when I land on the shadow, I thought, you know, my your brain is thinking really fast. Mine was at that point. So sure. I'm like, da 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 And one of the thoughts was, it looks a little human-like. It looks like almost like some kind of blotchy thing leaning over around the corner, staring. You know, if I didn't know better, that's what I would think that was. Yeah. So I was just thinking, after staring at it directly, what's the light source that's causing that shadow? Because it's making this really weird, almost human-like thing. And when I, when I literally thought that, was asking... That shadow disappeared behind a corner. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and, it, and it moved human-like, but super fast. Wow. And, uh, and another thought that was coming in is, and uh, another question was, why is that shadow darker than the other shadows? You know, it was really a black mask. Yeah. And it wasn't reversed. It wasn't like ghost, and then it turns out to be, you know, a ghost. Exactly. It was literally, my brain said shadow, and that's how I interpreted it. Until it moved around the corner. And, of course, I was a deer in headlights. I was going to ask, what happened? What would you do? Yeah. Uh, for about one second, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? And I went, and then the little voice inside me go, dummy, go check. You know? So, I went around the corner where the the nice. uh, the shadow had disappeared. And there were only two doors where the this little alcove dead ends. One was to a room that I later found was the haunted room with the spiral staircase. Uh-huh. And the other room was the room where I was going to be sleeping later that night. <laughs> so Yeah, good luck with the sleeping. Uh, so I literally walked back into the suite looking like I had seen a ghost because I had. And I, I will tell you this with absolute 100% truth. 
I did not believe in shadow people at all at the time. I believed in ghosts reluctantly, but I absolutely did not believe in shadow people. Yeah. I, I'd seen it on Ghost Hunters and just thought, that's made up. Yep. You know, how do you find shadows in the dark? I mean, it's kind of stupid. You know, that was my rationale at the time. Sure. You know, let's turn off all the lights and look for shadows. You yep. know? I'm, um, I'm with you on that statement, though. And, uh... So whenever they said shadow people, it's like, well, how come I never heard of shadow people until these paranormal shows came out? Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's another reason why I didn't believe in shadow people is because uh, I just didn't, I didn't believe in them until I saw one. And now I had to reevaluate, and I go, okay, you know, I can't vouch for the shadow people that they show on TV. But or, you can see what you saw. You can say what you saw. Though. It wasn't yeah. pitch black. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't in tar- total darkness seeing a shadow. Yeah. But I was actually in a, you know, it was in a lit hallway. I like that you investigated it. You didn't yeah. just either pass by and forget it or say that was a trick of the mind or you didn't freak out and run the other way. I yeah. Mean, you investigated. That's great. So that was my first ghost and I never would have seen it had I not been at the mission in probably stirring it up by yeah. having this girl, you know, dressed as a, as ghost-like, really. She was wearing 1930s, 1920s clothing. And, and one of the anecdotes was that on our second night shooting, nothing happened to us personally there, but I had her in front of that big mission. And there, there's a picture in my book. I know of, exactly. Of her. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. wearing this red dress yep. and the black hair, and she's posed at at the door. And we're shooting this at two in the morning, right? We're roughly around there, and I'm in the shadows. Sure. Uh, so no one can see me. So she's just really still. Suddenly, uh, I hear an, a rustling noise, and the security guard runs around the corner and he sees me in the shadow. I see him and we both jump out of our skin. You yeah. Because yeah. we like, and he took a deep breath, started laughing. He was kind of a young guy in his twenties. And then, and he said, ah, oh, you scared the crap out of me. And he said, I thought I had seen a ghost and I was about to radio it in. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, okay, that's great. Well, I'm glad it's not a ghost. And I said, well, I said, have you ever seen a ghost here? I said, no, I'm, I'm pretty new to the job. And I said, well, how long have you been here? About two months. And I said, uh, and I said, have the other guys seen ghosts? And he said, well, some of them say they have. And they were, they were telling me that one of these days, if I stay here long enough, I'm going to see one. And, uh, and that was kind of how it went. Good night. Good night. Have a good, you yeah, know. yeah. I love it. <laughs> and it seems like in your book that the staffs of the hotels, you had some pretty good conversations with them and they all seem to be very forward about like, yes, we saw a ghost or yes, this is haunted or I heard this or I've seen this. Yes. Was it, was, were you surprised that they were so forward with that or, or did you expect that? To some degree I expected it. And sometimes I'll ask them, is there any other room that, you know, you guys know about that the internet doesn't know about? Yeah. And sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes no. Um, the Mission Inn, that first they offered the catacombs to us, but then they got kind of worried about something. Sure. And so they decided not to let us into the catacombs. But it was their idea. And I wasn't asking for anything that I wasn't willing to pay for. Did you know? any hotel say, 
No, yes. you can't do this. Yes, no there were kidding. a few hotels that didn't want to talk about their ghost. Um, in Avalon, mm-hmm. the house, uh, I forgot the exact name of it, but it's the Wrigley. It was oh, the Wrigley yeah, yeah. home yeah. that's been turned into a bed and breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny, I uh, I had written them because I wanted to do a shoot there. And I basically, it's a manager that's no longer there anymore. But she basically wrote saying, well, we don't like to talk about the hauntings. Uh, and and then she said something odd. She said, we already have a problem with people getting scared because something happens in their room and they leave in the middle of the night. And I went, nice. I was just like, okay. She And the first sentence, you're kind of wanting to deny that it's haunted. And then the second sentence, you're basically telling me what the story exactly, is. And confirming yeah. that it is. And so we, we just don't want, you know, more people getting frightened than already. And I thought, that's that's an interesting way to put it. Oh, yeah. And then, believe it or not, the Hollywood Roosevelt. It's going to be one of my questions. How come they're not... I've, I expected the Roosevelt and the Queen Mary to be in the first edition. Queen Mary... Well, what I did with the hotels is I actually did 16 hotels total over the course of many years. With the Roosevelt, you know, the Roosevelt... When it almost was torn down for a parking lot. Yep. And at the very last second, you know, a buyer came through and they bought it and restored it. And they, they spent, you know, millions of dollars doing so. Yeah. Uh, in the 80s, during the renovation of the building, that's when the ghost stories started popping up. Yep. About the Marilyn Monroe mirror. The Montgomery Cliffs. Right. Suite and yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's specifically, I got the name of the specific person that saw the, the Marilyn Monroe ghost. Yeah. You know, or supposedly. Yeah. In the mirror. And all of these ghost stories popped up all at once. And they really used it to promote. And they used it to good effect. Sure. Because people still recycle those same old stories from the 80s. Yep. As if it, it's new. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. And, um, however, the, the building has changed ownership since then, and they didn't want to talk about the ghosts anymore. So they removed Marilyn's mirror yep. from its location, and, and no one knows where it is. I'm sh- I guess someone probably does, but no one likes to cop to it. I think it's gone. I really do. It could be. I've tried numerous times with, and, and some high level people, and nobody can tell me where it is. Yeah. Now, were you surprised by how far off some of the legends were or how yes. they had grown? Was like do you have any like example like cuz you did a ton of research, so you found these re- you found the legends, you did the research, then what? Well, one of the things that I decided to do when I decided that I was con- going to commit to a book, uh I decided I was going to make the best darn book I knew how to make. Sure. And I collected a bunch of ghost books myself, and uh, they always left me wanting. Oh, yeah. They always were, you know, you're always going, ah, they don't give the exact dates. They get kind of wishy-washy. Almost every book has, they checked in, but they never checked out. Of course. And I got so sick and tired of reading that. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, please. And and I didn't like phrases like, some people say. Or old timers will tell you. Yep. And I thought this is just masking for something else. Oh yeah, it's and that, called not doing the research right. or regurgitating the same old story yeah. again and again. Yeah. And a lot of times it is regurgitated stories, but they'll change something around. And so, 
what is correct and what isn't, you know? And so I decided that I want to do, do a book that actually gets it as close to right as I knew how. Sure. And in order to do that, it wasn't just researching ghost legends. It was researching the historians, too, in the historical records. Sure. Uh, and that's what shocked me the most, is finding out that things weren't as we think about the history. Yeah, yeah. And that a lot of the history stuff was still speculative and and not fully documented. And so when I went, when I set out to do this, I wanted to, uh, I'd already done my photo shoot there. So I got a feel for the hotel being there all hours of the day and night in these haunted rooms for uh, like long 17, 18 hour days. Sure. You know, <clears throat> so I, I knew the smells. I knew the, the sounds. I knew the, 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 the vibe of these places. So I decided that when I would do the research is I wanted to look for forgotten stories, the stories that maybe the marketing teams and other authors didn't think were important yeah. in telling their in their books, but maybe might be important to someone else. Sure. Uh, so it took a lot of research and falling rabbit down rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. But and I started putting it in a timeline of events because I wanted to see what was the cause and the effect for everything, sure. including the economic cause and effect. Cause all of these buildings, if you've been around a while, you had your highs and you had your lows Oh yeah, and the lows got really low uh, at times. And I wanted to know the deaths, not just the same, like with the hotel del Coronado, everyone talks about Kate Morgan Yeah, and the whole books have been written about her. But what about the other she can't be the only one that exactly. ever died. Yeah, and so I wanted to know what else happened. What if it isn't Kate Morgan? What if? So I doubted everything, and and I approached it that way. You know, they say it's built in 1888. Fine, I want to see the document that says that it was built in 1888. Yeah, you know, it was easy to find because that is well documented. Yeah, but uh, I wanted to see if I could check it against the original records as well. So I started doing that, and that's when I started finding out that the stories are off, uh, and the history is off, and that there are some really funny stories, forgotten stories, or just bizarre deaths that just got glossed over. Sure. So now with the ghost legends, I wanted to find out when they entered the public knowledge yeah when, yeah when did when did the media pick up on it yeah which was you know can we actually trace it to the original person that started it if possible and what year you know and that is really the secret to understanding the hauntings sure is you have to know when the ghost stories started yeah and how they broke and this is where 99 percent of all ghost hunters miss it sure they don't and, and they and when you miss it and you don't have that information, you go way off the mark. You really have to know. Oh yeah. And uh, well, one of them and, I, and forgive me, I can't think of the hotel off the top of my head. You pinpointed it to the specific person. Yeah. That was just a freaking money grab. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, it's down to the spot and the time and the exact. Be like, no, the date. none yeah. of that is right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, the Glen Tavern Inn was there you go. Yeah, that yeah. was one where it was a money grab. Yeah, and and the stuff that people still maintain today. Exactly, like the the third floor being a bordello, and and the gambler that was shot in a crooked poker game. You know, and even you the know, president being there wasn't there. There's one where they they're like, oh, and the president stayed. No, no. Houdini. Houdini. Oh, Houdini. There. Yes, yeah. that's it. That's exactly it. They were saying I Houdini stayed that. there and he never stayed there. I love that. Never and was he even to, in Santa Paula. He had to stay and protect his his props all <laughs> yeah, night long. Yeah. Come on. That That is so dumb. I can't believe that they got away with it because, uh, and the author that, you know, put this out and reinforced it, um, I list him in the book, but I, I won't do it for <laughs> publicly. Uh, he always in his book, he'd say, well, I never looked into this, but uh, some people say, and that's what they say. Oh, and it's like, no, you can look this up. Houdini is very well documented. Exactly. He was a huge star that traveled with an entourage. Exactly. He didn't travel by himself and go, oh, no, 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 not my secrets. Got to protect my props all night long. I, yeah, I mean, this guy wasn't, Houdini wasn't like a a, a traveling snake oil exactly. salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I pull up my wagon and don't you ever go behind the curtain. So you good. Know? He no, he traveled with at least, you know, 10, 15 people. He was he was like Beyonce. Can you yes, imagine Beyonce yeah. coming in and just her by herself and going, My it. train broke down and no, I don't want anyone to hear my record, so I'm gonna just stay in my room and I'm just gonna have my music and, and I'm I don't want it stolen. <laughs> now how frustrating is it for you? You proved that it's wrong, that it's not true. Yeah. None of that's true. And yet I looked it up. There's still websites since after or around the same time as your book that are saying these stories are true, that Houdini stayed here and you can go see his ghost. I mean, it's how frustrating for you is it that after you prove something wrong, there's, there's still It takes this... time. It takes time and podcasts. Yes. Oh, and uh, yeah. And book sales and and presentations to do it because you're undoing, you know, th- this these stories came out in the 80s. So it's 40 years of repeating this story. Sure. It's not just. You know, and my book isn't 40 years old. No. So it it takes a while for the antidote to get into the system uh, before oh. it starts taking effect. Right now, what I find funny is I don't cover the Cecil. Everyone talks about the Cecil Hotel. Sure. Cecil wouldn't let me in. No, I tried uh, to get in there as well. Yeah, they would. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that. I go on like the e-network. I go on all of these, even even some of the LA Times and some of the real people that should have it right. Yeah. They all are saying that the hotel opened in 1927 and that the first suicide there was in 1931 and that uh, the Black Dahlia, this is new, but the Black Dahlia was last seen there, okay? Yeah. Well, she was last seen everywhere in Hollywood. If you start right. researching her, yeah. Well, yes, and if you, you know, if you had a, a bizarre death, you can bet the Black Dahlia yep. visited that building back in the forties. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's real easy to research, and if you did the research, you would see that the Cecil Hotel. It's like shameful that these news organizations don't research. I agree, but it's obvious. And easy to find that the Cecil Hotel did not open in 1927. It opened on 
Christmas Eve 1924. The first suicide, I can see where people do That's on the Wikipedia page. Sure. All the fake information, yeah. all the false information is oh, on yeah. Wikipedia. But the first suicide I found was actually in 1927. And everyone, all the researchers missed this. Wow. But I found it, you know, and, and so I, I footnote everything so that people, I want it to be posterity's sake and almost no paranormal people footnote anything. I agree. Um, so I wanted to footnote it because if I'm wrong or if I connect the dots wrong, at least you can see where I'm coming from. Yeah, and exactly. Where I'm How you got that my info. Information yeah, yeah, yeah. And can improve it. And that's another thing that separates me from, I think, everyone else is that if I'm wrong, I'm the type of guy that'll go, hey, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Sure. You know, uh, I have met other authors that won't do that. They'll be like, curse you. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> they, they just, or they stick to their guns and go, oh, no, I'm not wrong. That's that's the truth. Yeah, I've been at this place more than you yeah. have. I've written 30 books. You've written one. Yep. One guy actually told me that. And I, I was saying, well, it's better to be right in one book than wrong <laughs> in 30. Exactly. You know. And, you know, but again, I'm not out to crucify or ruin anyone, anyone's career. That's, that was never my goal. In fact, I try to be very respectful about it. I think you're respectful and, for the hotels, the yeah. legends, the people that died there. I mean, you yeah. didn't make it a frivolous one-liner. I mean, you told right. the story. Yeah. You know, but I always felt that it, there needs to be, my approach to the whole book and my approach to the paranormal in general is that we have collected via television, newspapers, books, uh, about 50 to 60, 70 years worth of ghost stories. And especially places like the Queen Mary. I mean, it's just one on top of another. Exactly. Of another. And I think it's time to actually do a bit of a revisionism where we actually revisit everything. And we determine, does this fit the history of the building? Sure. If it doesn't, it needs to go. If history was twisted to support the ghost legend, then we need to untwist it and let the story and go. Get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the history should be a litmus test to test the validity, validity of a ghost story. It shouldn't be used and fictionalized to back up a ghost legend. And that's, that's the two different sides that you see on how history is used. Oh, sure. You can either use it as, as okay, we're going we're we're going to test the story. Um, was there a brothel on the third floor of the Glen Tavern? Yeah, and you see example after example where you know a minister when when the Glen Tavern actually applies for a liquor license after prohibition, uh, the churches local churches tried to deny the Glen Tavern a liquor license. Yeah, yeah, and they were saying. We've done such a good job of keeping that hotel clean, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Sure. But it's never had a liquor problems. They're selling more problems. So why why open that can of worms now? Okay. That kind of is a, a good indication that there was nothing there. Exactly. Like and that. Nor the, was it the same one where they had the supposed speakeasy, but the speakeasy would have been seen clearly from across the street? Exactly. Yeah. That was my next point. Yeah. Is that... You know, I looked up when that third floor was actually built out. It was attic space, when it was built out. Uh, 
and I, I say this and I always get a laugh in presentations. It's like, if you have a speakeasy, you've got to have an escape route. Exactly. And there were no, there were no fire escape or anything for people to escape from. They'd be trapped like rats. And they tend to hide those a little bit. Better. Yeah. Yes. It's just and, a touch. and the Glen Tavern was built across the street from a church. I mean, the old church building's gone and it replaced by a newer church building. But sure. there was always a church there yeah. from the get-go. And if you're going to have two windows burning lights in the middle of the night, and plus the fact if you've ever stayed at the Glen Tavern Inn, and you know people, you hear people walking on that third floor. Sure. When you're on the second floor. Sure. It's an old building. It yeah. creaks. Yeah. And uh, that would be the worst kept secret ever. <laughs> you could not have any gambling or any kind of organized vice up there and try to keep it a secret from the second floor. Yeah, and it's just a dumb spot to do it. Yeah. So, you know, you go back to the author that started this and you read his books and he says, well, some people say old timers will tell you, you know. Okay, what old timers now? So when did the story begin? Uh, you know, if you believe this author, it it was always in existence, exactly. this story. So, uh, well, let's find it. It should be in the news. It should be in, it, there should be a record of it if, if it really goes back that long. Now, the, the beheaded, you know, woman, prostitute or whatever. Oh my God. I don't know. Now, I don't know when that started, except that it wasn't around in the 1980s. Sure. And again, in a town the size of Santa Paula, if there's a beheading, it's good. There's going to be a record of it. Oh, you, God, in, yeah. In a small town like that, you're not going to keep that a secret. Oh, yeah. So it was funny to actually see uh, a certain paranormal show recreate it graphically to the point where they have to say, no one under 17 should be watching this program. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's like, come on, guys. Seriously? The uh, There's been a number of episodes that I've done where I'll look up a story and they'll say, and the Los Angeles Times covered this in 1945. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I go, I pay the money, I go through the archives, and I find the story that has been so bastardized now to make it, the, the giants were real and they killed yeah. a bunch of people in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I read the article straight to my listeners, and then I get people messaging me, well, that's not true. My grandpa lived there back in the time. And I'm like... I read you from this. These guys are fake. They're wrong. I read you the actual news story. Yeah. It's not something that I'm making up at the moment. It was then. Yeah. Some people just can't handle the facts or it's just not as fun. It's not as neat to, you know, I, I want to, but I still want to believe. Okay. Well, the, we all, uh, including myself, we all uh, believed in things that turned out to not be true. Exactly. And there's so much, there's so much stuff out there. People always say, like, how how long can you keep this paranormal show going? I've got hundreds, if not thousands of stories that I can either prove existed or debunk yeah. them. Yeah. And it's interesting to me both ways. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, as you know, I, I don't try to... I just put out the facts. Take it. This is it. Use your... You know, I put the critical thinking skills in, and it's up to you to whether or not you want to accept it or yeah, reject it. you connect the dots. You, you say, here's this, it happened here. Here's this, it happened here. Yeah. Here's this, it never happened. Here's this, it happened there. Yeah. You never go, well, that person, uh, maybe you did, but like you never, you never, you're never negative. I'll put it that way. Yeah. You, you just tell the story. 
Yeah. And, and that's what I liked is I liked the fact that you told the story. Yeah, no, it was very important not to be negative. Yeah. Uh, now, I may have, you know, in researching, I may blow up because it's like anytime certain people, uh, authors say anything or publish anything, I'm going, oh, God, you've just added three months to my yep. workload because I have to run down every one of your claims now. Yep. You know? Oh, yeah. And not just your first edition, but your fifth edition, yeah. you know, and and see how it compares with your first edition. It's like, please, you know, just stop. Stop the madness, you know. The internet has definitely not helped the whole Legends stuff. I mean, it's just expounding daily, and it's to the point where I'm like, I don't know. There's some stories that that I haven't had a chance to, episodes I haven't had a chance to do yet, because the stories are so convoluted that I can't tell fact or fiction at all. Yeah, well, one of the things that I think I'm finally making headway on is the Knickerbocker Hotel nice. in Hollywood. Nice, nice. I was going to Now, ask it's that. not in the book, but it's on my website, BizarreLA.com. Which I got to stop you for a second and say, I love BizarreLA. BizarreLA.com. The Knickerbocker Hotel uh, is finally catching on. Then you started seeing these um, ghost hunting bus tours, you know, themed on where all the haunts of Rudolph Valentino. Sure. So they take you to, you know, Hollywood Forever Cemetery where the mausoleum is. They yeah. take you to the Alexandria Hotel downtown. Yep. You're supposed to haunt there. They take you to Paramount. Yep. And then they take you to the Knickerbocker Hotel and they repeat these stories. Sure. And and then you got these people opining, well, you know, he died so suddenly he's just going through his daily routines he's checking in at the office he's going to his yeah hotel room he's going to a falcon lair that when yeah. it, when it stood that was supposed to be haunted right? oh yeah yeah so he'd go home then he'd go to you know dance the tango at the knickerbocker okay yep. so uh i hated this because <laughs> i researched the knickerbocker and the knickerbocker was a building that was started in the mid-20s in 1926, the year that Valentino died, it went bankrupt. No and kidding. It never opened. It, the investors sued each other. And so it was an, a vacant building uh, until 1929 when some people bought it and converted it in, and opened it as the Hollywood uh, Knickerbocker. So his last year of being alive, Valentino was either at Falcon Lair because there were a lot of repairs that needed to do. Sure. There. He was dating Poland Negri. And he was uh and he was in New York City an awful lot. No kidding. I didn't know that one. Yeah. So he, he really wasn't in Hollywood that much huh. at that time. I'm trying to see while you're telling this, I'm trying to see if I perpetuated this rumor because I did a story about Benedict Canyon and all the hauntings in Benedict Canyon, including Rudolph Valentino, but I don't think I have I don't think I have the Knickerbockers. I think I'm okay. I think. Yeah. I no, think... I, if you're doing Fal- Falcon Lair is what was there. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was talking about was Falcon Lair. What else did I have? I have Irene Givens checked in the Knickerbocker in 62, committed suicide. She did. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the stuff is... Uh, and the little... non-haunting, the whole Harry Houdini seance and all that fun stuff. And Yeah. Um, let me let me ask you this. Uh, what was your... I don't, scariest is the wrong term. What, what was the most paranormal hotel when you were doing all the research that that you that you can talk about whether it be on this book or if you don't want to talk about the next one i totally understand but no i i've already started teasing the next one even though i don't have an official release date for it i can't wait but uh it also covers the uh aztec hotel 
the uh, Palomar Inn Hotel in Temecula. I'm kind of going out of order. The Grand Colonial Hotel in La Jolla. The Zane Gray Pueblo in Avalon. The Culver Hotel oh, wow. in Culver City. Wow. Now, that one's got a lot of legends that need uh, yeah, to be it does. Corrected. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, oh, I'm not surprised by that statement at all. That's a hard one to figure out fact from fiction, for, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, I, I got it I got it all figured out. Nice. So I don't yeah. have to do it. I love it. You don't have to do it, I promise. Uh, and the Queen Mary uh, being the, the latest, the later one. Nice. Uh, answer your question. The most haunted, actively haunted hotel in Volume One, Glen Tavern Inn. No kidding. Easily, although there are parts of the Pierpont Inn that I think is just as active. And uh, but uh, I will be talking about that a little bit later. In fact, I'm trying to do something there. No kidding. Oh, I would please keep me posted on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, they like the book. They were they were down on the paranormal for years based on past events that happened there. Yeah. But they read my book and they liked it so much that they actually are entertaining the idea of opening their doors to me. Oh, that'd be cool. To to hold a paranormal event there, which I hope happens because I think, uh, I'd probably would be the best person to handle it at this point. I would love that. I would love to go. Please, please keep me in mind. Until someone else comes along and builds on it, you know. Sure. But I did a lot of dispelling of myths and putting it in the proper place and was just, and being respectful about it as well. Um, volume two, uh, Palomar Inn Hotel. No kidding. It's like not on anybody's radar map. I was going to say, I never would have guessed that. that's the one place where I caught a ghost photo. And that, really? And that, that, that convinced me that it, it that ghosts do exist. And uh, I wasn't trying. I was just doing my regular standard middle of the afternoon. Really? Yeah. I'm going to pull it up here. I would love to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to show you. It's too good to be true, and that's why I haven't published it publicly, uh, like on social sure. media. Because it, being the debunker and the reluctant skeptic that I am, I, love it. I hate eating my own words about uh, me thinking I don't believe in ghost photos, most of the orbs, and you know, and I'm constantly shooting down. And I was doing that like two days before I sh- I took the photo. Someone had asked me, do you ever use your photo shoots to actually try to shoot ghosts? I said, yeah, yeah. ah, it's a waste of time. Once in a lifetime thing, even if that, if I can do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, I'm on, I mean, I'm renting the buildings. I'm, I, I've got costume rentals. Of all, I'm not going to go into a dark room and just take random photos of a dark room and then blow it up and look for stuff. Exactly. You know? Look for dust. Yeah. Yeah. I just said, it, it's got to come find me. Yeah. And, Two days later, that's exactly what happened in the same location where I went on that my little tirade about that. No kidding. And I felt like I'd been punked. Yeah. Completely punked. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and so I was I was embarrassed. And people go, well, why are you? Why should you be embarrassed? It's like, are you kidding me? I'm gonna be. I'm, I put that out there. People are going to be calling me a loon and everything else. It's so much easier to go through life and say, I don't believe. It's true. People don't look at you like you're crazy. But if you go, I believe. And then on top of that, to add insult to injury is that not only do I capture a picture of a ghost that actually looks like a person, 
but it's in the process of apporting something. And you know what apporting yeah, means? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was act of making something disappear. Yeah. That was tangible and and in oh, the real world. I can't wait to see this photo. You can't err on the side of being too skeptical. You can't err on the side of being too cynical. Sure. And non-believers make the same mistake that many believers do. I agree with that. You believe what you want to believe. You see what you want to see. Yeah. You hear what you want to hear. And it's all based on your worldview. Oh, yeah. So, I know I don't know enough, so I keep my mind open. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't have any definitive answers. Why would I? Same here. Yeah. And, and you know, people say, well, no, you're a paranormal expert. You're a paranormal expert. And I cringe at that. You know, it's like, well, technically there are no such thing, no such person. Exactly. As a paranormal expert. But I will say this. I'm an expert on the history of certain locations. And that's as close as you're going to get to being a paranormal expert. And that that loops that loops perfectly back to the thing that I liked about this was that I want to use science to explain or knowledge to explain. And and I think that's where we're going to get the explanations. I truly do. I think that you're going to learn a lot more by having a little yeah. bit of knowledge under you. you. Science, you know, I don't yeah, science is is absolutely critical. What I was doing with the photos was what uh is called Ericues it's also called the Singapore uh, theory or the theory of familiarization. Okay. Okay. Now you got me. I, I was lost at the beginning, but now I'm caught back right. up. Sure. Uh, it has many different names, but what I was doing was taking some of these legends and restaging it in the area. Yes. Where it was doing. And then we'd mic it and yeah. we'd monitor. And so things would happen sometimes uh, during the shoot to offset the shoot. And sometimes it would happen immediately afterwards. And sometimes it happened hours afterwards. But we were stirring the pot. Because we were uh, trying to create something that if there's a ghost there, and if ghosts exist, and if this ghost possesses intelligence, then my theory is we should be able to psychologically play games with it like we accuse them of doing with us. Exactly. Or at least connecting yeah. something that they can relate to. Because people people walking around with a cell phone in their hand, they don't know what a cell phone is. Yeah. They shouldn't know what a cell phone right. is. But you're connecting to them on a level that they should be right. able to connect with. Right. You're, 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 uh, I have many different ways of looking at it. In some ways, I set us up to be the hunted. Let them hunt us. Sure. You know, by sure. being in that space doing what we're doing. Yeah. We do it respectfully. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you're right though. The emotional responses seem to be the key for a lot of this stuff. That the, the connections seem to be the emotional. Uh, the more emotion you can put if into you it, you can confuse it into thinking that they're interacting with something that's in their own time and their own field of knowledge and experience. Yeah. they will come forward. Yes, I agree. With and that. Uh, that happened to me at the Alexandria Hotel. A door slammed shut that should never have slammed shut, right in the middle of our shoot. Wow. Um, at, in the evening, uh, at the Glen Tavern Inn, uh, from my final night there, my shoot was literally disrupted by disembodied voices just chatting very softly. No I kidding. I was lucky enough to catch it on the recorder, but what we ultimately determined was that it, it sounded the most like it came from behind the door of a room that was unoccupied. Oh, wow. On the third floor. And we had complete control over the environment. Sure. So it made 
you know, we, we couldn't figure it out. And, um, interestingly enough, uh, I was able to hear some of the voices later. What was said? Really? It was like two men and a female. And at one point they say, leave us, which I don't know if is directed at me or yeah, could have been. That's yeah. another thing. Don't ever assume. I was going to say you yeah, can you can and, read into it any way yeah. you want. Yeah. But the other thing that I thought was interesting is that there are two words, Glen Tavern, and this makes sense to me because and and it'll make sense if you know the history. And here's the history: when that building opened in 1911, up until World War II, that's all it was called. Yes, Glen Tavern. Yeah. Then it was converted to dorms for females for a few years, during the war years. Yeah. Then when they reverted it back to a hotel, they called it the Glen Tavern Hotel. Yeah. And it stayed the Glen Tavern Hotel until the 80s when it got another major renovation. Yep. Then it became the Glen Tavern Inn. Sure. So when you catch a voice that says, just Glen Tavern, it makes you think, okay, we have almost a date stamp. I was going to say, it this, gives you a time, yeah. Yeah, it gives you a time frame of where this possibly could have been. That's interesting. That's cool. And that's why I love, that's what I love about EVPs and actually believe that it's not errant radio signals. It's sure. Not errant. There are things that sometimes you catch. Oh, yeah. That fit perfectly. It's old language, old style. Yeah. Usage, turn of phrases. Sure. You know, the Aztec Hotel in Monrovia, which is going to be featured in Volume 2, I am the only historian there because you can't find anything online. Really? I went and spent almost a year looking through microfiche in the library. And I photocopied every mention of the Aztec Hotel I came across in the local paper. Man. (laughs) So one of the legends that has been said for years is that that basement was a speakeasy mm-hmm. and that illegal card games. And uh, I have not been able to disprove that. Really? Or, or prove it. But still, not disproving it is saying something. Yeah. But one of the things that I did do during a, an EVP session in there is we caught an excellent EVP of a man saying, one set of deuces. Nice! And... I didn't know what it... It took me a while to hear it a couple of times before I could decipher it. And since I never played poker... Sure. I was going, it sounds like one set of deuces. What's one set of deuces? So I looked it up and realized it was a poker hand. And I went, ah, what are the odds of catching an EVP of a voice of a poker hand... Exactly. ...in a space that was, according to legend, was a place where card games took place. Boy, that connects. That's awesome. Okay, so... That kind of leads us perfectly into this. So where can people find you? What do you want to plug? This is your chance, your time to shine. Okay, well, you can actually, you can buy the book on BizarreLA.com. I sign and mail those myself. Excellent. And, and uh, I, I uh, that's the way, that's my preferred way of doing it. Uh, I have an Etsy store, which is what? Etsy.com slash store slash Haunted by History. I, I every now and then I'll put on some not factory fresh copies. They're not used, but they just got kind of dinged up a little sure. bit in shipping. So you can buy a book usually half price there oh, cool. off the fifth. It'll be like twenty five to thirty dollars, depending on the condition of it. 
you can buy it at various bookstores where you bought it, yep. which was what Larry Edmonds. Yeah, yeah. It's available at the Glen Tavern Inn. They've shot a they they've sold a lot of books. Nice, there. that's cool. Um, it's at Book Soup. It's at the Bearded Ladies Mystic Museum oh, here right in here, Burbank. Burbank. Yeah. Excellent. They've sold a lot of copies as well. I need to get them to take all their satanic stuff on top off, off of the top of my books. <laughs> Good luck with that. It doesn't sell as well <laughs> when you've got Beelzebub <laughs> standing on your cover, you know. But uh, if you absolutely have to order it, and no, uh, you can order it uh, through your bookstore. It's easily available. So if you're living in Idaho or any near any Barnes and Nobles, or, is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon as there well. There you go. All you right. So it, anywhere, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's good. It won the. What happened was it got the publisher's weekly star review, which is the highest review a book can get. Uh huh. And that opened doors. You know, suddenly a distributor wanted to me to sign a contract, so I signed a contract, and nice. A lot of different things have happened, and so that helped me get the book out. To a broader audience than just me by myself. Sure, but you're not going to get signed copies at on Amazon. No, no, yeah, and you can do that. And I also have a special edition hardback, which is a hundred bucks. Oh, I didn't know. I only that. had like three hundred printed. Oh, wow! I had no idea. And so that's only available on my website. I don't even really take it out of the house because I love them too much. <laughs> I'm kind of hoarding them, but you can get one from me. Uh, but they won't ever go on sale because they're collector's items sure. from the get-go, you know. Now, are you on social media? I'm on social media, on Instagram. I'm on, uh, it's what, Bizarre underscore Los underscore Angeles. In fact, a lot of people just call me Bizarre Hey, Bizarre Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, I'm on, as Bizarre Los Angeles on Facebook. I'm everywhere. I mean, I think I'm Bizarre LA uh, on Twitter. Okay. But that's. The one I still haven't kind of figured out what my voice is on that one. I'm the same. Yeah. But uh, my website is BizarreLA.com and I'm trying to get new stuff on there all the time. But I also do a lot of events and I've got an event on March 8th and 9th at the Little Known About Haunted Historic Harris House in Glendale, California. Oh, very cool. It's a 1902 mansion. And uh, I passed by it all the time. And finally, I met the owner and we hit it off as friends. And, this, and he showed me a ghost photo that a, a film production crew had actually taken like, no last year. No kidding. And I thought, it's very interesting. And I'd like to get more people involved and show this this photo and, uh, and actually do a, a ghost hunt there. That's cool. So people that haven't bought the book... That want to do the ghost hunt, it's it's uh, 75 bucks for three hours on two nights, but you get the book as oh, part cool. of it. So it's almost like you get the book for 50 and then the ghost hunt for 25 <clears throat> Exactly. I was going to say, that's a good way, yeah. But if you've already bought the book and you don't want another book, then it's 50 But But the price goes, a, a good chunk of it goes actually to the maintaining and preserving of this mansion. Oh, that's neat. That's cool. I did not know that. That's awesome. And it's never been really ghost hunted before. No paranormal investigations. And so this is a trial balloon and see what we can do, see what we can find, because there's enough stories about it 
to make me think there might be something going on. And I've already started the in-depth research. Excellent. And I already found there's a person that died and it bugs me. Really? You know, it's like the little man inside of me. To paraphrase a uh, double indemnity. There's something that, that stands out that, okay, this doesn't make sense. I need to look into it a little deeper. Oh, that's cool. I'm very intrigued but on I, that one too. I, but I think I may have a suspect. You know, I always look for suspects for the ghosts. You know, something that fits the history. Sure. That fits the description and the nature, the psychological profile of the, of the ghostly activity. You know, if you can find a match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, then it makes a lot more sense. That's cool. That's really cool. It's like that lady in white. In yeah. the Banning House lot. Yeah. You know, people are seeing this this ghostly woman on the edge of the of of town. Yeah. And then coming across a death that happened in that area, and it just happens to be in the area of where the woman is buried. Yeah. See, those are those connections. That's the thing that I like is when you find those connections. It, yeah. That, that it doesn't prove that that's her, but Boy, it sure points in that direction. It points strongly in that yeah. direction because very few people were actually visiting that part of the island. Exactly. So they wouldn't have a lot of deaths, yeah. nor reason, or personality, or emotional connection. Yeah. But even just the nature of how she died. I mean, she died from a heroin overdose yeah. or op yeah. opium, wasn't it? Was it opium? Yes, yes, it was opium. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Opium. Yeah. I mean, needle marks up and yeah. down. Her, and this is early 1900s. Yeah. And then the husband who just leaves her. <laughs> There's so many messed up stories like that in this book where I'm like, really? Yeah. This is how they did it back then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just wire for some wire some money from me from my bow or this. Yeah, yeah, yeah come yeah. on. Yeah. And the I I think the Alexandria Hotel, there's a bar there called The Wolves. I was there last Sunday and it was like a real long line all the way to the end of the block and some people didn't weren't allowed to get in because we were at capacity. I heard about this, yeah. And um, so we're going to try to do it again. And I'm still working on trying to get the Alexandria Hotel to actually let people in to give them a tour and show them these ballrooms and some of these That's what I was where I'm talking about. That's what I would really It'll like. It'll probably have to be a small fee because I have to pay for the employee. Sure. Uh, yeah. For the the hotel, to former hotel to let us in. Sure. But I, I, I really, you know, they don't like to talk about their ghosts. Yeah. But I think they're trusting in me enough to to let me do it. So well, again, it's done with respect, and that's the big thing. That's what's, in my opinion, that's what's doing this so well is that you show it the respect it deserves. Yeah, and uh, so there's that, and then um, there's uh, there's some other surprises in the works. I Excellent. can't really speak about those. No, but, I can't but, wait. But if one works out the way it is, you're going to be begging to be on part of that one <laughs> i can't wait i can't wait yeah well definitely a very strong old hollywood connection oh i love it so that's how i'll tease it and then... <laughs> well i can't thank you enough for being on the show sure. honestly well, i was so ecstatic out. when when you when you uh answered my email because like i said i fell in love immediately with this book it's so well done Honestly, no joke. I'm not getting paid to say this. Everybody should go out and get a copy. It is fantastic. If you like history, it's great. If you like paranormal, it's great. I mean, it's got a little bit of everything for everybody. The The photos are beautiful. So it's, it's really well done. Thank you again. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Thank you again to Craig Owens for coming by, 
letting me interview him, telling me some great stories before, during, and after this podcast. Once again, if you want to hear the full episode, you have to head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get extra episodes and more. What more? Well, go on over there and check it out. What do you guys think? Would you stay in any of these haunted hotels? Because I can tell you one, I'm definitely going to stay in at least one of these hotels. I am all about haunted hotels. I've, I've already stayed in one. I've stayed in the Roosevelt in the haunted room. So I would, I would love to stay in a couple of these that I didn't even know about. These were surprises to me. When I saw what hotels he chose in this book... I was like, well, I don't know anything about that hotel, or I know very little about that ho- hotel. I am excited to learn more, and boy, did I. Like I said, he does some deep, deep dives. The research that he does is phenomenal. That's the research I wish I had the time to do for every episode. Once again, I am your host, Kurt Sandig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Now we love. I know for like me that's neat, neat, neat. The last book I wrote is eight. This is the gentleman's cafe near us. Here it's the hub. This not.